the way they work for an invisibility cloak is it's similar to a magician's sleight of hand, like when you see in those card tricks. You're trying to hide an object by cloaking it with metamaterials. Welcome to It's Material World, the show that uncovers why material science will change the world. With your hosts, Kurnithi Padia and Tom Miller, with a special guest host, Nadia Zaragoza. In today's episode, what even is nanotechnology? So what's the tea, Nadia? Well, um, I ran out of cold ones over the weekend, so today I brought mm. a hot one. I have some mango black tea. Only thing I don't have is the boba, which is disappointing. But did you know that milk, adding milk to tea, makes it less bitter because the proteins will um, wrap around the polyphenols in the tea, the polyphenol in tea is what makes it bitter. And so the casein proteins like wrap around it and then boom, less bitter. And that, my friends, is nanotechnology. That's the team. So we decided to choose this topic because it's this term that gets a lot of hype in the technology world. And so whenever we hear nanotechnology in conversation, it's kind of a vague term, but it gathers a lot of oohs and ahs. You know, it's this futuristic, exciting word that people will say they, that it'll change the world. So that has some truth to it. Nanotechnology involves the idea of manipulating and engineering materials at the nanoscale. So that means dimensions anywhere between one and 100 nanometers. So the science behind it is when you're operating in this small of a realm, the ordinary rules of physics and chemistry, they just, they don't apply. It's all very complicated for obvious reasons, but basically at the nanoscale, there are unique quantum and surface phenomena that come into play that make the properties of nanomaterials far superior to the materials that we see and interact with on a daily basis. For example, carbon nanotubes are more than 100 times stronger than steel and 30 times stronger than Kevlar, even though they're much lighter than both. So this provides a lot of applications in the real world. So as a result, you see so many researchers basically drooling over the endless potential of nanotechnology because mm -hmm. it can make this huge impact in so many sectors. I mean, the energy sector, medicine, electronics, basically anything. What do you mean by quantum and surface-like phenomenon? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I don't even know if scientists know all the answers because you see quantum physics, you see that term just thrown around and from what I've learned in class, there's no real answer for why it works the way that it works because the second you measure it, you're interacting with it and then you're affecting the movement of electrons, protons, everything in, in that realm. I shouldn't have skipped out on that quantum mechanics class I could have done last week. It's like, <laughs> like what, you know, like when it comes, when you see like quantum mechanics, like what exactly like laws of physics are being broken at that level? Yeah. We, didn't really, we didn't really that might be like out of the that's scope. when i need Our to get my phd is. yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> a little gone there i think what, what's interesting to me is this there's a, it's this like promise of nanotechnology that puneeth alluded to where you get to this nano level and all of a sudden just essentially physics starts to break down or act really weird and we i'd say broadly as scientists there seems to be a lot of possibilities there that have yet to really fully be tapped into so it's interesting just because of this ability to use this nano scale size to imbue a number of properties so doing a little bit of research and the u.s government actually has a big 
um, initiative for nanotechnology, probably speaking. So if you go to nano.gov, you'll find a bunch of resources. But um, to give, they're not our sponsor, by the way. So no free <laughs> pub. Just to give you an idea for what the sorts of applications for nanotechnology are, and in a lot of cases in our everyday life are a number of applications. One, uh, clear nanoscale films on eyeglasses. Two, computer and camera displays for you know creating the properties that we now uh, completely take for granted in our our computers and our phones to make them touchscreens and whatnot. Three, for windows. Uh, Four for other services to make them water resistant and residue repellent, which is which is interesting and novel. Anti imbuing anti reflective properties in materials. And for superhero suits. And apparently superhero suits, according to superhero flicks. That would be you know antimicrobial. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd like to um, add another important application. Shout out to you know whatever website this was on. I can't verify Nano, the truth. Nano.gov. Oh wait, the thing I just read was Nano.gov. I don't know about you. Oh, shout out to nano.gov, <laughs> but also a very important application. Gold nanoparticles can make the pink get ready to be a parent sign <laughs> uh, or get ready to be pregnant sign uh, on the home pregnancy tests much easier to read. So all the other ones don't matter when it comes to well, this. <laughs> but I just wanted to point that one out. I thought that one <laughs> I do Better think that was that, that was very important um, for us to know, Kenneth. Thank you. I really appreciate your extensive research on that topic. <laughs> and there's another interesting everyday thing, especially as summer's rolling around and it's it's getting hot and very sunny. And one of the actually most common applications for nanotechnology and commercial products is actually in sunscreen. There's like this stereotypical image of a lifeguard and they have, you know, like this white, uh, you know, like veil of sunscreen across their nose. And that was, yeah, so that's actually the reason why that's not a thing anymore. And that's like a, a stereotype of the past or whatever is because of nanotechnology, actually. And the they used to have these larger zinc oxide and titanium oxide particles, which are distinctively white uh, inside of the sunscreen, to which would help reflect the, the UV rays and whatnot from burning your skin. And now they've actually started to use nanotechnology for that or, or nanoscale uh, titanium oxide and zinc oxide particles so that you rub your nose or you rub your face with all your sunscreen instead of it looking like this very white color, like, you know, a true white color. It's, it's actually now you can rub it in clear because of the, the application of nanotechnology in that case, which I thought uh, was, was really interesting. Does the particles being like on a nanoscale like change the color though? So it has like the same protective effect, but I think it's something, I don't, I didn't get into that Probably part of the research. optical properties, right? But yeah, it, it modifies oh, yeah, something yeah. about the optical properties, but I don't quite know this, the like scattering mechanic of how it makes, um, how it transforms it from being white into something that's clear. Um, but I feel like we've, you know, had interactions with sunscreen and it's still like oily and it's still obviously there and it obviously still works. It's implemented in the in the world today right this isn't just oh yeah oh yeah no no i mean like future r&d kind of situation you know? oh no this is like everyday sunscreen is, is like mean, this we, now we're using it and yeah we're using it like every day which is which is crazy i think that's yeah. important to understand because there's around this this term nanotechnology everybody just kind of puts it off as like a oh it's going to happen in the future but or it happens the, in the lab sort of thing right you know it's still all early stages but in reality we see its applications showing up even right now. That hints to what it can do in the future.
So in terms of what nanotechnology can do in the future, I think we should talk about what nanotechnology is doing right now and some groundbreaking things happening with nanotechnology. The news of nanotechnology and, and how nanotechnology is at the forefront of solving some of the world's problems. So uh, if you didn't know, there is a pandemic going on and there is a number of potential solutions to fight this off, make its effects on the public less significant. So the two major modes for that are either one, develop a vaccine or two, develop antiviral therapies. So vaccines has been in the news persistently. Um, and the timetable for that is just a little bit longer and that takes time before that can really help us get things back to normal. But antivirals, however, there's been a lot of research into those, especially to fight off other diseases such as you know, malaria or Ebola, and applying those learnings from those antivirals to this current pandemic that we're facing. So there's a particular case where nanotechnology can help one of these other antivirals really move to the market and be effective in treating the, the effects of COVID-19. So there's a particular antiviral called uh, Nyclosamid, uh, and it shows some stronger antiviral effects when compared to remdesivir and chloroquine, which are two antivirals which have made a lot of a lot of circulation in the news, in which a lot of research has also been done around to fight off COVID. Uh, however, nyclo or nyclosamid does not readily dissolve in the body, and if it doesn't dissolve, it's not biologically available, and its therapeutic effects are quite limited, and it's not useful as an antiviral. So, so recently, Purdue University in the International Journal of Pharmaceuticals is actually looking to apply some previous knowledge on how to better solubilize this antiviral drug, uh, Nyclosamid, using a nanotechnology-based solution. So they're going to be doing this with this complex nanostructure. So this organic compound's name is Octanylsuccinate Hydroxypropyl Phytoglycogen, or OHPP? Yep. So which is to say, I don't know what the structure looks like, but I do know it is complicated because it's derived from corn, if I recall. Yes. So OHPP for short, because I, I don't want to have to force Nadia to say that again, <laughs> um, but it is derived from corn grown in the U.S. So it is abundantly available as, you know, the U.S. produces corn like crazy. And, and this molecule itself is actually patented by Purdue. So they have a, they have a stake in, in using this for broad application like this. But what's great about OHPP, though, is that the nanoparticles of this particular organic molecule can be used to increase the solubility of nyclosamid by a factor of 5,000. So the nyclosamid itself is the antiviral that attacks the COVID and makes it less, um, it makes the coronavirus itself less prevalent in the body or less damaging. And so without the OHPP's interaction, the nyclosamid actually acts like sand in the body and it cannot be absorbed. Like it's, it needs to be dissolved or else this antiviral drug is just super ineffective. And so this is an example of how nanotechnology can actually be used to help fight off this ongoing global pandemic that we're facing. If you see it more in the news, just you heard it here first. Of course, there's a lot of information about COVID-19 out there right now. And nanotechnology has a role to play in, in fighting this off potentially. So I have another story about nanotechnology to fight COVID. So there's not just one solution. And so I found this on LinkedIn. The idea is there's these things called nano sponges that can help fight COVID-19 more as a treatment rather than 
than a vaccine. And so the way they work is they actually mimic lung cells to attract Oof. the virus and stop the virus from infecting and replicating. So they soak them up. They soak them up. That's right. Weird. And so the way they work, they're they're made up of biofriendly polymers with a like thin oh. cell membrane outer layer. And so according to researchers, the virus actually has a higher affinity to these nanoparticles rather than, you know, actual lung like human cells. lung tissue. Right, oh, exactly. Whoa. That's cool. So that's just through through pure testing. I'm I'm sure they found that, but the idea is that the virus actually dies once it's sucked into the droplet. Is there something is there something else in it that like kills it or does is it just like not good in that environment or whatever? I guess it's just not good in that environment and the the good thing about it is that the human body immune system can get rid of the nano sponges because they're biodegradable. So oh, then weird. It, it just becomes waste and prevents it from replicating and just gets rid of it by killing the virus. And you only need a few droplets and just put it in into your body. And then if you the virus can't have replicated immensely at that point, but if you get it early enough, then this biofriendly polymer can help treat the treat this virus. You know, it's another potential solution. So another therapeutic potentially. Exactly. So then what are the drawbacks to like these solutions that we have so far? Because it seems I always feel like the science is there, but it's like, you know, a lot of the policies that kind of can hold things back or or there might be flaws that haven't been worked out yet yeah it's always hard to go from the r&d stage up to mass production but i think yeah. being able to produce all of these because i'm sure it's not natural to have this polymer kind of composite with a lung cell membrane outer layer and to be right. able to produce that probably takes time those are the two big biggest drawbacks in in nanoscience in general is being able to produce it on um you know a bulk scale mass production but also from the medicine perspective specifically there are a lot of nanoparticles are inherently toxic in the human body and so you have to functionalize it put it with like other polymers other like proteins or whatever so that they that reduces the inherent the intrinsic toxicity, toxicity of those nanoparticles one final news article unless you have anything to add about out yours beneath no i'm good all right cool <laughs> so so on to the third news topic so is once again around covid19 because it seems to be seems to be a big deal these days and this one actually is not a therapeutic but rather a new way to test for covid19 current significant issue with the way we test for COVID-19 is that you have to go to a testing facility to go get the test conducted because of how specialized it is. Then the results have to be interpreted by someone in the lab. It's, it's complicated and the turnaround is not always super fast. And ideally, when we're facing an issue of this scale, we'd kind of like everyone in the world to test themselves every day and you know, no positive or negative if they can go into work and live their normal lives. So nanotechnology actually helps address that problem. But essentially what this test is, is that there's gold nanoparticles, which are, I, I think it's some sort of functionalization, but they're attached to a specific molecule, uh, which will change color as some sort of testing solution. So um, it requires, it unfortunately requires some sort of nasal swab again, but it also kind of vaguely said in the paper, the, the press release about this, 
uh, that a saliva sample was okay too, which would be great because if he could just like spin a cup with this, that would be like fantastic because that's super simple. But the the main advantage of this is that the test to return either to return a result takes ten minutes to to react with these gold coated nanoparticles, and it's a color changing solution, so it provides a, a very obvious visual indicator as to what the result is, which to me seems like a very elegant and sophisticated solution, and it's something that. You know, when I think of a simple test like a pH drip or something, that's, you know, that's the sort of thing I'd like to see for for this this crisis that we're facing. So that all sounds fantastic. There are a few caveats though, so that this information is based on on this sort of on these preliminary findings, uh, and it is a major improvement in terms of the timetable to prove a positive case. And there, it is great that there is no like complicated laboratory test for. It's a preliminary study at this point. So once again, it's something that you know, hopefully could get ramped up substantially to apply it to this current situation that we're facing. So yeah, we'll, we'll put the, we'll put the link to that article in our show notes, but, and in theory it could actually be a lot cheaper too. That's the other thing. Could actually it, be a lot cheaper to, to, to overall. Is it the optical properties that give, give it the, the color changing result? Do you know the science behind that? So from what it sounds like, it's the, it's the interaction of the viral particles with the molecule that's functionalized on the gold that produces okay. the color change. Have you guys heard of the Lysergis cup? That rings a bell. It's the, the classic, the most ancient form of nanotechnology. It, that's what this reminded me of, but I guess not for the same reasons. But this cup is from ancient Rome and it's made up of gold nanoparticles and mm. so when you shine a light from the outside it turns a specific color green i believe but then when you shine a light from the inside outwards it actually turns red because of the optical properties so Whoa, like, i bet you something similar something's going yeah. on they're using that gold wow <laughs> So besides nanotechnology being useful, of course, to, to in this current situation we're in, fighting off the, the global pandemic we're facing, it also has a bunch of other novel and interesting applications, which I think, I think Puneet has one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, buckle up, guys, because <laughs> this part, this material is going to blow you away. So this material, okay. it's called metamaterials. And their superpower is invisibility. So, so let me explain that to you. Metamaterials are literally nothing like you've ever seen before. Uh, but You're the hilarious. way, it, <laughs> my gosh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the way it works is that these materials are like the opposite of natural materials that you see in the everyday world. So they gain their properties from the structure solely from the structure rather than the composition. And so the way they work for an invisibility cloak is it's similar to a magician's sleight of hand, like when you see in those card tricks. You're trying to hide an object by cloaking it with metamaterials. In very simplistic terms, say you have a water bottle and you take this, this metamaterial, think of it as a cloak, like, you know, Harry Potter invisibility cloak. Mm -hmm. So the way I understood it is these materials have a negative index of refraction. Every material what? that we have, including this, this water bottle has a positive index of refraction. 
Okay. So when you combine that into one system, you're going for ideally a zero index of refraction. And so the hmm. way it works is if you're thinking of it, if you go into the black box of sorts, the way your eyes works are you look at something and you know electric electromagnetic waves are sent back to you and your brain processes that, right? So if you want to make something truly invisible, those waves can't reflect back to you. They have to keep going out. through. They have to cancel out and you have to, those waves have to keep going through that whole system as if nothing is there. So even shadows and, and that sort of deal, they, that can't exist. There can't seem like there's something there. Otherwise your, your brain will recognize it as, oh, something's up with that. You know, like yeah. there's, there's something there. So basically if you cover this, this water bottle with a cloak, the electromagnetic waves go through the cloak and they bend around the water bottle and then go through the other side as if there's nothing there. So it literally bends around the object and, and passes through as if the electromagnetic wave would go completely through, you know, and there, therefore, when your eyes are looking at it, you don't get any reflection back because there's that cancellation of the negative index of refraction and the positive index of refraction. Wait, okay, so Therefore like, making real? it invisible. They are real, like it's obviously what? still in, in, <laughs> in, you know, an early stage. There are- Is there like a YouTube video? There are uh, videos of like, hey, invisibility cloaking is real and you know, a little bit of a morphing situation where you can kind of mm -hmm. tell something is there, but something will pass behind it and you won't be able to to recognize it. There's a few of those videos on YouTube if you want to check them out. You probably need to do a little bit more research on it because I honestly have no clue exactly how it works. It really, I hope it blew your mind because it blew my so mind just, just talking about it. Does. I am probably going to like watch a ton of YouTube videos after this and procrastinate all the other stuff I have to do. <laughs> so. No, I, I want to do more research because I want to see how they even engineer something at that scale. You know, yeah. it's not like yeah, because I'm like, what, what when they do the experiments, like, what are they using? That's what yeah, I'm curious about. It's not like this tiny little pair of tweezers. Just, it's like, <laughs> like maybe maybe for the simulations, but tiny people using tiny tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Adam uh, goes here. <laughs> we'll drop some. Part, uh, we'll drop some links down below to if you guys want to read more about it as well. So now that we've talked about creating invisibility cloaks and creating materials that we can't see, now that all sounds quite sci-fi if you ask me. And so that certainly seems like a space where movies start to care. And so how does the popular perception of nanotechnology play into our understanding of it? The thing about the media or the way that science is popularized in general, I feel, you know, there's all these articles about like the like crazy properties of materials, like graphene, you know, carbon nanotubes have these like crazy properties, but you don't necessarily see it realized. And part of it's the stuff we talked about before, you know, different, you know, policy issues, toxicity issues, but also being hard to manufacture. It's hard to produce graphene on a large scale, figure out what, what substrate to grow it on. And so it hasn't become this like big crazy thing yet. But I feel like, you know, the media likes to popularize that, like, oh, this could be really cool. And then they use it in movies, I think often as kind of a cop out, you know, like in the Marvel Universe and the Iron Man suit and also in Black Panther, like Iron Man and Shuri independently came up with like the idea of nanites and these like nano robots. You know, they kind of just say, oh, 
the nanotechnology as a just general term to explain all the crazy stuff we're, that they're doing. I think that honestly, all the stuff in movies is eventually possible. I mean, look, this invisibility cloak, like one day Harry Potter's gonna be obsolete. Everyone's gonna be like, why was that so magical? Like literally having these <laughs> things, it's crazy. Because when it comes down to it, all nanotechnology is just like manipulating physics, manipulating electrons. Like, oh, this has a positive and negative charges, put them together, they can, they, we can make them come together. That's programming, you know, materials by selectively choosing them, you know. The superhero suits, the, the idea is just you have a bunch of really tiny, you know, nano robots and they can all come together. And I think that the idea of like manipulating something on such a small scale, and then like if you can manipulate the smallest scale, you can maybe you can make anything, you can manipulate anything. You know, that's that's the reason why our cells are so small, our atoms are so small. I, theoretically, if we're all made of atoms, if we can manipulate those atoms, we can make anything. So I think that's why you know, in the media, they just say nanotechnology all the time in, in fiction and sci-fi because it's kind of an easy way to just explain a big concept or how to make something invincible because it's kind of a crazy field. Like anything is really possible. Yeah, I completely I don't agree much on that. I mean, I had to like look into some, oh, like what is the science behind the Iron Man suit? But there really isn't much there because we don't really know a ton about nanotechnology. No, exactly. He does I, say, like, the eigenvalues. <laughs> yeah, you threw out eigenvalues at some point. Just, that was weird. It's, it, I, feel like, I feel like that it's the, same, it's the same thing with anything where they say, oh, the nanotechnology. He was like, I just need the eigenvalues, and then they can solve time, time travel. Eigenvalues just call it a little math. I don't know. Yeah. For the normal viewer, they just have to sound smart, and then people will be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But the the reality behind it is since no one really knows, then obviously the writers of the movie aren't going to have this, this vast knowledge of how exactly that suit could be made, you know, otherwise it would already be made. Right. I was watching Iron Man two the other day. Don't ask me why. I think it's the only Iron Man movie on Amazon prime, but it was a family <laughs> night, but okay. they, Tony Stark actually created a new element yeah and, and it showed that and it was basically i don't know some sort of laser that ended up cutting through his entire building until it was focused on this one triangle piece right i don't know what it's made of but it looked like a metal but somehow by this fission reaction or whatever by focusing that laser on there it somehow created a new element that could solve solve his heart problem i mean sorry for the spoilers but that movie is eight <laughs> years old <laughs> Yeah. But the science behind it did not make sense at all to me, but it just had to look cool. And I think that's what yeah. the movies really try to do. And I do think they take elements of science, you know, like there is some sort Certainly. of reaction at play. Right. There is, you know, it's, it's an element. It's a, it's a different element. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they, they stretch it so that they can fit the, the things that they want to do. But I also think that's really cool because it kind of gives people like us, scientists, everybody, ideas of what things could look like and what we could do. And like it, exactly. the, the media, even though it's not necessarily true, it's like pushing the limits of what science could do and just showing us like, you know, if you believe that that is possible, like it'll happen. Like this invisibility cloak. Exactly. It's crazy. No, that's a good point because as it pertains to making elements, the, the common trope in movies is 
aside from, I mean, nanotechnology is kind of one trope just to be like, we have this really novel scientific thing and it just works. And the, the, the knee jerk reaction is just, oh, nanotechnology. But there's, there's also some truth to, you know, you can actually fabricate super heavy elements that are, you know, beyond the heaviest end of the periodic table in very small concentrations. I don't know if you'd, one would say they're like nano concentration per se, but it's an interesting example because there's, we've now gotten up to like element 118. The, the current theory is that element 120 should be, should be next if we can get there. So, yeah, we'll, so we'll have to see if any of these are actually stable enough to do <laughs> cool things with, or if they're just, they all just decompose in like, you know, a few seconds, but definitely nanotechnology is the, is the common way of illustrating cool properties in films because, you know, as Puneeth explained with metamaterials, how, how mysterious and how out of this world some of the properties can be if they're engineered properly. Yeah. That's, that's the cool thing about, about movies in that regard is those writers are super creative so they can come up with these, these ideas that people haven't thought about. And so once you create that as something that's possible, then like Nadia said, you can move towards making that a reality, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, sure. that's science at its foundation. Yeah. It's innovation. I also, there's also a lot of science that's probably out there that is being done that we don't necessarily know. Like after working yeah, at a national lab, I mean, there's so much security stuff. We know that we can make new elements because we have these big, you know, reactors, um, linear accelerators and stuff, yeah. right? But we don't necessarily know what's going on. I mean, because of that and, you know, I don't know, intellectual property concerns. I don't know. Science isn't always the most uh, accessible, unfortunately. But I think that is part of the reason why, you know, we don't really know everything that's going on in nanotechnology because people are still figuring it out, but they want to protect their, their stuff. I think there's like a nano ethics committee too that's already been created just to, just because there is all that potential you know, it could be used for the wrong reasons too. And so that's true. That is true. It's already been created, you know, and so I think that's a, a good start, but it's just and so we'll we'll see where it ends up. So now that we've had a wide ranging discussion about nanotechnology, what it is and its applications on on science, COVID and and popular media. We want to bottom line it for for you guys. So, so Nadia, what's your what's your bottom line on nano, nanotechnology? Why is it cool? Why does it matter? What makes it interesting? I think it's cool because nanotechnology is really about learning and understanding how we can control and manipulate things on a really small scale. And if we can do that on a small scale, we can kind of do anything. And getting just smaller and smaller and smaller figuring out the physics and, you know, pushing the limits of the things that we can make. Everything is made of different subunits. And so controlling those subunits, we can control like the bigger picture. So that's how I see nanotechnology. And it's, it can be as complicated as finding stuff to soak up the COVID proteins or just, you know, the casein proteins in milk that make your tea a little bit less bitter. There's kind of this idea of you're finding something that you and you control and manipulate it to get the result you want, like some nice tea. And that's the tea. Puneeth, do you have any, do you want a bottom line? Do you have anything to add? Sure. I, I completely agree with, with Nadia's idea. And I just want to say in that one liner, 
the smallest things have the potential to make the biggest impact. My bottom line is I, I certainly concur with the, the previous two points, which I, I think is to say that there's a lot of mythology and a lot of promise to nanotechnology. And just to, just to emphasize that nanotechnology can be simple for making your, your sunscreen clear instead of this bright white color on your face to fighting off global pandemics to making things invisible. And all of that seeks to, to serve and potentially solve some of the problems we face as, as a global society who, who needs answers to some of these tough questions. And I think in nanotechnology potentially holds promise to solve a lot of those problems looking forward. So thank you for joining us for this episode of the It's a Materials Worlds podcast. I hope you learned something because I know I did too. We'll be back for episode two where we hope to bring even more new and interesting conversations into the world of material science and engineering. If you do want to hear from us before that next episode, you can look us up. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Search for us as the It's a Material Worlds podcast. We will also put links to those social media pages in the show notes. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear it. We are just getting started on this podcast and we really want to grow the show alongside our community's input. Our next episode surrounding the topic of additive manufacturing or 3D printing will be coming out very soon. But until then, take care and stay healthy.